You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right, well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us as we continue this series that we're in. Uh, I want to welcome everyone online. Yes, Kelly and all your friends. I know I have a friend, Victor, who has had uh, some foot surgery, and he can't be here, so he's watching online. If you can never make it in person, you can always watch online. And if you're watching online, we would love to see you in person if you can ever make it. But we are glad uh, to be starting and continuing, really continuing this series that we've been in called A Different kind of happy. And whether you are new to faith, whether you uh, have grown up in faith, whether you're just trying to check out what it is to uh, understand what it is to follow Jesus, this series is about uh, an invitation from Jesus to a, a different kind of happy. He invites us, you and I, into a different kind of life, and it leads us to this different kind of happy. And so we've been looking at what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And at the very begin, uh, beginning of Matthew chapter 5, it is w- what is known as the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus gives this definition or this understanding of what it is to live a blessed life, but it's a, a different kind of blessed life. It leads us to a different kind of happy. And that's why in the series, we've been kind of talking about the difference between normal happy versus this different kind of happy that Jesus is inviting us into. Now, again, To be clear, normal happy is not necessarily bad. Normal happy are the things that make you smile. Normal happy are the things that you look forward to. Again, those things are not normally bad. And we all have things on our normal happy list. You have a list. I have a list. And we've been looking at some of the different things that are on our staff's list here at Willamette. I've been asking people, hey, what's on your list? What's on your list? What's on your list? Here are a few new ones uh, that we haven't looked at yet. Uh, Sherry says this, hearing the sounds of the waves on the beach in Maui. Well, yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, Here's another one. Zach, the sunrise breaking through the darkness on a morning run. Some of us just wish we could run, you know. Okay, Zach. Lori, feet tucked into the warm sand and feeling the warmth of the sun on my face. Do you see a theme here, everybody? You see a theme here, like there's sunshine, warmth, sand breaking through. And I I picked these three on purpose today because of the weather outside. And the reality is, this is kind of the point, is that we wish we could have happy. We chase after happy. But a lot of times we look at our life and we can't find happy happy or even when we do find happy, even when the sun is shining on our face and there's nothing wrong with it and we are glad and it is on our happy list, we find out that happiness can still be fleeting. And so Jesus comes and invites us and invited the people 2,000 years ago in this message to understand that, hey, that happiness is fine. There's just something more robust, something deeper that God offers us. It's a different kind of happy. And Jesus taught us this, that God can be found and lives can be blessed in the midst of disappointing outcomes and unavoidable pain. 
that blessed lives, happiness can be found in the rain. When you can't dig your toes into the sand, it's not, if only I could live that, then I could experience a blessed life. Jesus say, no, if you never get to the sunshine, if you never get to the sand, if you never get to whatever it is that is on most people's list, you can experience a blessed, a happy life. There is a different kind of happy that happens even in the midst of disappointed outcomes, even in the midst of unavoidable pain. We, as followers of Jesus, those of you who are interested in in what it is to follow Jesus, there is something that we are invited into that is greater than any outcome that we face in this world. In fact, I was talking to somebody about this series, and they asked me this question, hey, Brian, what do you think God is wanting the church at large to kind of understand? And I told him about this series that we're in and, and why we're doing it. And, and, and one of the things I said is, well, honestly, kind of a backstory of this series is that there's another election coming up. Like, I know a couple years, but like, it's going to be here tomorrow. And uh, because that's happening, I sure would love the church to respond differently than everybody else during the election season. Can I get an amen from somebody? I sure would like the church not to be like, oh, no, here it comes. Here it comes. Here come the wackos and the crazies and the haters and the, you know, here they, but but instead of going, oh no, to be like, yeah, it's election season. Yep. No big deal. Why? Because we're leaning into with a different kind of, we don't have to worry about outcomes. We don't have to worry about pain. We don't have to worry about who wins because we are, are, are who we are on the inside is formed and how we treat people regardless of how they vote is completely dependent not on outcomes, but on who Jesus is and what he invites us into. And that to me is a very great picture that I hope we all want to lean into. And so Jesus, he, he goes to some people who have disappointments, who have pain. And, and he says, you can be blessed. And we looked at this last week. I won't go into it too much, but this word blessed, makarios, it, it's this uh, Greek word that means happy or fortunate. It means well off. Well off are those who, or fortunate are those who. Then he brings us this list that doesn't really feel like people who are well off are fortunate, but then he shows us how there is this, this different kind of happy. And he begins this, uh, this series of blessed messages in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. He says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. We always start here before we get into the blessing, because you need to know these two things. You need to know who this crowd was that he was talking to. And this crowd was a crowd full of resentment. This is a crowd that was ready for revenge. This was largely a Jewish people who had been taken over by the Romans. The Romans had come into their their land and taken over and established laws and taxes and all of these things that really oppressed a people. And this crowd that Jesus was talking to, they were ready for revenge. They were ready for a Messiah to deliver them from the hands of the Romans. And they were hoping this guy was it. And so Jesus is talking to this crowd. But he didn't just come and bail them out. He didn't just come and hook them up. He came and he taught them. He taught them. In other words, he's saying, I don't want to just hand something to you. I want to form something in you. I want you to learn something about the way God created you. I want something to be formed for you to be taught, not just be handed to, so that you can understand there's more to you than the outcomes that you've experienced in your life. 
So this is this idea of spiritual formation. And he gave them quite the list to think about. And I don't know about you, if, if this is not your first time here, you've been here the last couple of weeks, man, this is like a gut punch. I don't know about you, but when I think of getting gut punched, I don't think happy, right? I don't think, yay, do it again. Except this is kind of that different kind of happy. I hope this is for you where you're like, oh, and like, oh, I kind of like, oh, that's kind of good. That's it's a different kind of happy because even though this is hard for us, to grasp and isn't normal, it is something that is better. So we're going to look at what he said about this blessed life today, specifically in verse 7. And he says this, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Remember, this is a crowd waiting for revenge, a crowd full of resentment. And Jesus is saying, look, I know revenge kind of feels good. Right? When, when someone kind of gets what's coming to them, you're like, that's mine. Wah, wah. And you have a little bit of a dopamine hit, zoom, 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 zoom. And you're like, <laughs> a little bit of adrenaline going through your veins when somebody gets what's coming to them, right? A little serotonin going through you, a little mood stabilizer. You're like, that's right. That's right. There's a little bit of happy. There's a little bit of happy that happens when somebody gets what they deserve. And we might not say it like that. But you, you've seen someone speeding past you on the highway, and you're like, nah, nah, nah. and then you see them pulled over a mile down the road. You're like, mm. <laughs> just a little bit of just a little bit of happy flows through your bones. But Jesus is saying, I, I know that you're looking for revenge. I know that you think revenge will make you happy. But he came with a different message. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Let's look at a definition of mercy here. Mercy, compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. Now this word forbearance, I had to look it up. I'm like, I think I got it. I'm not sure if I have it. But this isn't a word that we use a lot of times. But forbearance basically is you just decide to put up with it. You like just make a decision rather than revenge, rather than just let it consume you. You're like, I'm giving you forbear. I'm just going to decide to put up with it. Even though it could really bother you, you give it a pass, even though it doesn't deserve a pass. It's not, it's not you giving, you know, your affirmation of it, but you have this, this forbearance. You're like, I, I, I'm just going to put up with it. And that's not normal. I don't know about you, but normal for me is I'm not going to put up with that. I am not going to show mercy because they deserve to be corrected. No mercy is normal. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. It's a, a different kind of happy. So in a way, Jesus is saying this, happy are those who don't give people the punishment they deserve. Ugh. Again, no cartwheels, no toe touches there, right? No like, woo, that's right, Jesus, amen. No, what, wait, what? Happy are those who don't give people the punishment they deserve. And punishment, you know, that's a little harsh. And it's not like we're walking around handing out punishment. Like we're not dropping elbows, you know, off the top ropes to people. We're not punishing people. So I want to, I want to give another word, kind of a synonym for punishment, especially in our context, in our society, something that we do dish out quite a bit. And, and so you could put it this way. Happy are those who don't give people the resentment they deserve. 
Happy are those who don't get. You deserve for me to resent you. You deserve, you deserve for me to be glad when something. You deserve, but happy, blessed, well off, fortunate are you who don't give people the resentment they deserve. Let me put it plainly for you. Resentment or mercy rejects resentment. Mercy rejects resentment. I have a reason to resent. I have a case for it. I have resentment and I'm, but mercy says I reject that resentment. Mercy rejects it entirely. And come on somebody, there, are, there is so much resentment in our world today. We have political resentment. We have neighbor resentment. We have workplace resentment. We have families looking at families' resentment. There's resentment when someone else gets the promotion or someone else gets the car. There's resentment, and we can put on the face and go, oh, I'm so happy for you. There's even resentment in churches. Look at that church. Look at what they're doing. I can't believe that. And there's just, but mercy, mercy rejects resentment. But there is so much desire to deliver punishment to people who oppose us. And we feel like we have to be louder than they are. And and if we're not louder, they're just going to run us over. So we've got to fight fire with fire. But when we look at the scriptures, again, that's normal. But when we look at the scriptures, if you're even considering following Jesus, if it's even within the realm of possibility for you, especially for those of you who say, I am following Jesus, We need to look not at normal. We need to look at our God, the God of the scriptures who sent Jesus to us and look at who he is and what he invites us into. Because as we look more closely, we see that God doesn't just have mercy. God, uh, mercy describes who God actually is. It's not something that he just kind of picks up some mercy and, and hands it to us. Mercy is who he is. In fact, in Exodus 34, look at this definition of God. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Who is our God? Our God is a God of, if I can use the word, forbearance. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, a right to be angry, slow to anger, abounding. He's not just like, I'm giving you mercy. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who our God is. When we sing these songs, Lord, have your way in me, have your way in me, I I am saying, God, this is who you are. This is what you want in me. Have your way in me. I want to be the kind of person that you wired me to be. But it's different. This This is God. This is who he is. And we see these scriptures that paint this picture that describe who he is. But you need to know this. As you look deeper at scripture, especially in the Old Testament. Mercy was not just in words describing God. Mercy was literally on display. This idea of mercy wasn't just uh, people quoting about God of who he was. It was literally in front of them physically, and it was what is known as the mercy seat. The mercy seat was a physical uh, um, uh, uh, a piece of, of the Ark of the Covenant. It was known, everyone knew that this was the mercy seat. 
And in the Old Testament, they had the Ark of the Covenant. This, this represented the, the manifest presence of God. Everywhere God's people went, they would bring the Ark of the Covenant. And there were all of these rules, all of these things. And, and you could not get into the Holy of Holies. You could not access the Ark of the Covenant unless you went through these rituals to purify you of your sin. And in the Ark of the Covenant, the top of the Ark of the Covenant it was, is known as what, what was known as the mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, you had the cherubim, these, these wing-like creatures. And these were not cute little like, oh, look at these. I'm going to pet them. No, these were like scary. In fact, if you just want to kind of nerd out on the cherubim, uh, read Ezekiel chapter 1, and you'll be like, what? And I'll be like, I know. It's just crazy. These guys, these guys are, are gnarly. And here's what they are. They are guardians, this is represented, this is symbolic, guardians of keeping people out of God's presence, keeping people out of God's mercy. Let me explain. The cherubim were also in the Garden of Eden when um, uh, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and the cherubim were stationed to guard sin, brokenness, out of God's perfection. These were the cherubim. On the Ark of the Covenant, here's the cherubim and the mercy. Why? Because we have sinned. Because we are broken. Because we are not glorious and God is. And God wants whatever comes into his presence to be glorious because everything that's not glorious, that is sinful, breaks down and there's evil and badness and everything that causes tears and pain in the world. So God's like, uh-uh, nah, not with what, what I have for you. I have for you only goodness, no tears. You can't bring that in. And so a sacrifice needed to be paid. Again, we could go into all this, but just know this. When, when the priests would walk into the Holy of Holies, they would go through all these rituals and they would have to sprinkle blood of, of an animal as a sacrifice, atonement for sin. And that sacrifice, it would not wash away the sins. Nothing could wash away the sins. It would just take care of the stain of sin. And it would give people access, because of the sacrifice, to the mercy of God. A sacrifice had to be paid to experience this mercy this forbearance, this, this rejection of resentment because God is full of mercy, but there had to be a price paid. And despite all of this, despite all of our sin and all the things, God granted mercy. He granted mercy over and over and over again. God would not resent. God would not punish, even though people deserved it. Anytime they sought mercy, God would give them mercy because he doesn't just have mercy. He is merciful. Anytime they wanted it, God gave it. How many of you are thankful for a God that is gracious and merciful? This is who our God is. Now, I am glad, I don't know about you, maybe you like, like to nerd out on all that Old Testament stuff. Me personally, I'm glad that era is over. Can I get an amen from somebody? I'm not really interested in the blood stuff and like all that, you know, hello, you know, no, no, I just want to wear khakis and hang out, right? Like th this is more my style. But, but here's what you need to know. You need to know this. Whether you grew up in church or you've been away from church or you're questioning church or faith, you need to know, even though there is no longer an Ark of the Covenant, mercy is still, to this day, not openly accessible. It is not openly accessible. Let me explain. 
God is still holy. We are not. The scriptures say this about our goodness, our holiness, in and of ourselves, like me on my best day, says our righteousness is like filthy rags. How can we access the presence of God if our, on our best day we are still broken and sinful? How can we ever get to God if there's no more Ark of the Covenant and no more rituals and God's holy and I'm not holy and I try to be a good dad and I try to be a good neighbor, but even on my best day, I still fall way short of glory? How, how can we have access, friends? If you did not know, this is why we worship Jesus. This is why we praise Jesus. This is why we follow Jesus because Jesus did not sin. Jesus had no separation from God yet Jesus paid the price once and for all, not to just wipe the stain of our sin, but to remove it entirely. This is the good news of the gospel. This is why Jesus reigns and he is the name above every name. We can have access to God, not because of our goodness, not because, well, God's merciful, so I'm just going to walk on in and hang out with God. No, we need Jesus. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says this. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's all God. It's all God's mercy. It's not of what I did. It's not the goodness I did. When it comes uh, to God, he provided it. Jesus paid it. So how can we have access to God? It's not openly available. Someone still had to sacrifice. Jesus did it. And so now we can have access to God. God still dishes out mercy. Anytime someone re requests it and we go through Christ, he is the one. Because of his mercy, we can have access to the graciousness of God. So I want to tell you three things today that we desperately need to do. We need to receive mercy. We need to give mercy and we need to love mercy. We need to receive mercy. Let's start with receive mercy. I love this quote. Uh, it says this, if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. Come on, somebody. I mean, that, see, gut punch. Ooh. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, if, okay, if I do this and I do this and I do this, I go to church and I do this and, and I clean up my act, okay, then, then I'm, I'm earning God likes me again. God will bless me again. If I do this, then, then God will hook me up because I really need God to do this for me. No, no, you're, there is nothing you can do. God, out of his great love for you, his great mercy for you, he gives us mercy because of who he is, not because of what we've done. But if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. No mercy, you earn it. You show me. And until then, I have the right to resent you. Mercy is held back Mercy is kept and distributed only as, watch this, as we feel like it. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like it. I reserve. See, there's nothing you and I can do. We're guilty. God should resent us because of our sin. 
My, my best goodness, my best goodness is not glorious. I'm a pastor. I try to preach the gospel. I, I try to take care of my family. I smile and wave to people even when they're driving too fast. Come, you know, like I try, I try. And my, my best goodness is not glorious. And the more we realize this, listen, I'm only speaking to myself. I, Brian Becker, am a contributor to the pain in this world. That's hard to say. I contribute pain. I wish I didn't. I, I wish I didn't make my daughter cry that one time. I, I wish I would have spoken more carefully to my wife. I, I wish I wouldn't have resented this person. What am I? In my best, I'm trying. I contribute to the pain. I, can, I, I have earned nothing. God deserves to resent me, but he doesn't because he's gracious. And we need to receive his mercy. There are too many people that look at themselves and they look at themselves in the mirror like, I'm a good guy. I'm not, I'm not committing murder. I'm not doing, I'm not, you know, cheating on my taxes. I mean, too much. That's what my accountant does for me. But like, I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I don't really need God. Then you haven't understood the contributions you have made to the pain in this world. And when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the life God has for us, when it comes to the Garden of Eden, when it comes to no more tears, we can't bring ourselves, even our best selves, because I'll still bring a contribution of pain unless a price is paid for, from me. And Jesus did that. So the reason I get to experience Shalom, the reason why we get to experience a place with no more tears is because Christ paid the price. And so when we look at others, we need to understand the same mercy that I've been received is the same mercy I need to give. We, like Peacemaker last week, we don't just receive mercy, we need to give mercy. We need to give mercy just like we need to receive mercy. We give mercy even when we don't deserve it. And again, for followers of Jesus, this is non-negotiable. In fact, let me put it this way. Uh, Christians, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. This is what being merciful, blessed, happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others. And I know this is so hard. You know, I want mercy from others, but I want to be selective in who I dish it out to, right? Let's go back to the speeding illustration. When I get pulled over, right? When I get pulled over for speeding, I hope for mercy. Oh, officer, if you only understood, I'm trying to pick up my daughter from school and I don't want her to be there alone. And you know, children these days, they just need the, the security of family. And so I just broke mercy, right? I mean, I've never said that, you know. The it's my, my wife's story, actually. No, just kidding. <laughs> but right? I want mercy. But when I see someone else speeding past me, I have thoughts in my head about what should happen to them, and they are not very pastoral thoughts. <laughs> right? And again, it's normal. It's normal. Mercy for me, judgment for them. Mercy for me, judgment for them. No, no, no. I need to receive mercy and I need to give mercy. 
I love this quote that I ran across while studying. I don't know who said it first, but it's not my quote. We've become great judges of others' sin, but great lawyers of our own. We just want to point fingers. Those people, that family, that spouse, that coworker, we point fingers. But when it comes to me, oh, I'm so sorry I was late. I ran into every red light. Oh my goodness. It was just one of those times. Please, mercy. They show up late. I can't believe they don't even care about this meeting. Huh? Right? Mercy for me, judgment for them. I want to defend, defense lawyer. We have lawyers in this room. I want to defend myself, but I want to be judge. I want to be prosecuting for those who are against me. But Jesus invites us into something different because he, he is entirely different. James 2.13 says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The way of God, mercy triumphs over judgment. Rather than being a judge or rather than pointing fingers, we need to be people who receive mercy because we need mercy, but we need to be people who get blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We need to receive it, and we need to give it. And I want to be super clear, just like last week when we talked about peacemaking, just like peacemaking, there are boundaries. We don't want to build up walls and separate ourselves. You can go listen to that message. But just like in mercy, it is not saying, oh, I'm just supposed to be merciful. I'm going to let them run all over me. I, I need to have boundaries, but I'm supposed to be merciful. I'm supposed to have forbearance. I'm supposed to just put up with it. So I guess I'm just going to get abused and slammed in the process. No, 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 no. No. You can have mercy towards someone and have boundaries towards somebody. You can have mercy towards somebody and have consequences towards somebody. It is not, they are not exclusive. I either give them consequences or I either give them mercy. No, you give them mercy. You reject resentment, killing you on the inside. You can still have consequences. And you know that's true because God gives us mercy and we still have consequences for our actions, don't we? God will always give me mercy, but if I do something illegal, I'm going to face the consequence. If I violate something in my marriage, I will have to face the consequence. Mercy will be given to me by God. Mercy can be given to me by others. I still have to bear the consequence. This is not permission for you to just get ran over, but you should reject resentment because God has rejected the resentment he has every right to have towards us. We receive mercy. We give mercy, but if you're going to follow Jesus, this isn't just like, fine, I'll do it. No, no, no. We need to not just give it. We need to love mercy. That's a whole different picture. You go from like, to like, woohoo, yes. I'm a, I'm a mercy dealer up in here. Like I am, a, I am a distributor of, I love mercy. When you focus on loving mercy, when you distribute it, it's an entirely different picture of who you are. And in uh, uh, Micah chapter six, the prophet Micah was talking to a bunch of people and he was calling them forward because all they were, do were doing was focusing inward. They didn't care about anybody else. They were just loving on themselves, kind of a holy little huddle. And Micah called them forward and says, stop that. You need to, you need to get out and look towards others with the, right, with the right perspective. And in Micah chapter six, he says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly? to love mercy 
and to walk humbly with your God. I love that it says he has shown you, O oh mortal. In other words, God didn't just say it. Hey, this is what you need to do. He's saying, I've shown you mercy. I've put mercy on display for you. If you're following me, if, if you're studying me, if you're, if you're leaning into to this, you're going to experience mercy. God has shown us mercy, not just told us to be merciful. And once he's shown it, he says this, you got to love this stuff. You got to act justly, love mercy. Love mercy. Friends, we are to be agents of mercy in this world. When people wrong us, when you can resent, when you have all these opportunities for resentment, you're like, no, 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 no. That's not how I roll. Blessed are the merciful. I reject resentment. I love mercy. I'm, I'm, I got forbearance all over me. Let me tell you what forbearance means. My pastor told me. I, I got it all in here. I love mercy. In a world that condemns, in a world that cancels, in a world that assumes guilt. No, no, no. We are merciful people because God has been mercy with us. Merciful with us. And Jesus, Jesus, his whole, like we're talking about Sermon on the Mount here, Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Beatitudes, just the beginning. But you just open up the scriptures and Jesus was always talking about mercy. Always. He is so merciful. He loves it. He's just walking around distributing mercy, correcting people who didn't give mercy. Like just, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just a circle anytime mercy comes up. Here's just a few. Look at this. Uh, we have just a, I just, this is just off the top of my head. Plank eye. This is a story about, he says, hey, why are you looking at the speck in someone else's eye when you got a whole log sticking out of your own? And you're like, I don't like that. And he's like, are you kidding me? Look at yourself right now. And, and he's like, stop it. Stop it. No, no. You need to be merciful towards people with their respect. Because look at, look at you. Look at you, homie. I mean, this is a paraphrase. There's a woman caught in adultery. And he goes, who condemns you? She's like, nobody. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mercy when he could have judged. Uh, Peter's like, hey, how many times do I need to forgive because I'm angry? And, and Jesus like, a billion times. Paraphrase. And he's like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. No, times a billion times. Like, just always forgive. Just, just you are a forgiveness distributor. You are an agent of mercy. Jesus was trying to make a point. Pharisee and the tax collector. Pharisee's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm good. I'm so glad I'm good. And this tax collector's like, oh, I'm a sinner. And, and Pharisee's like, oh, I'm God, thank you for not making me like that. And God's like, you have no idea who you are. You are, uh, are, are waiting for judgment. He has been granted mercy. Jesus loves setting the record straight. Probably the most famous of all the stories of mercy that, that even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably know, and that's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan, just paraphrase, where, where this, this Jewish man gets, gets robbed and left for dead in a ditch, and then all these religious Jewish people go and see uh, uh, this Jewish man in a ditch, and they come up with all these excuses of why not to care for this person, and, and just, oh, sorry, you know, I can't be unclean, and all these religious, like they're literally saying, God told me I can't. Is, is literally a, a, a paraphrase. And then here comes this despised Samaritan who is not Jewish, who's like enemies with the Jews. And he goes and he sees this person and he bandages and cares, brings them to an inn, uh, pays for everything, says, if, if you need anything else, I'll, I'll pay you even more. And Jesus is telling the story to the Jews who are like, what does it mean to love people? What does it mean to be a neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, which of these, the religious people of the Samaritan, which one, which one proved to be the neighbor? And they said, the one who showed him mercy. And then do you know what Jesus told 
all of them right after that. Now go and do likewise. Be merciful. Love mercy. Everything we reject resentment because we are ugly when we resent. We are horrible pictures of God to a culture when we resent. We do not display the glory of God nor the goodness of God when we are people who claim to be followers of Jesus that are walking around with fingers maybe not pointed at people physically, but in our minds we are living there. We need to love mercy, agents of mercy. And again, this Samaritan, it gives us this picture of, okay, well, Brian, what would that be to not just reject mercy? Three things that this Samaritan shows us just really quickly. Mercy feels, mercy acts, and mercy sacrifices. This Samaritan, again, just paraphrasing, the Samaritan felt compassion. You've got to feel. You've got to get into people's shoes. You've got to know what it's like to get pulled over yourself before you're pointing a finger. You need to know what it's like to be late to a meeting. You need to, to feel, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's good. It's good. I get, no. You're off the hook. Forbearance. I'm, I'm choosing to put, because, because God's put up with so much in me. It feels, it acts. It doesn't just feel. You're fine. No, the, the Samaritan bandaged and cared. It, it did something. It's not just a mind game like, okay, I'm going to choose not to hate this guy. No, no, you, you, actually, you actually act. Take a step towards. What does it mean for you to take a step towards? You can still have boundaries. But again, boundaries towards one person should not prevent you from boundaries towards all people. There is a movement of action we need if we're going to be merciful. And then mercy sacrifices. This, this Samaritan takes him to the inn, could have stopped right there. I felt, I acted, and then sacrificed. He said, hey, if there's even expenses beyond this, I'll pay that and more. In other words, mercy feels the pinch of pain. Mercy goes, oh, that, that's, I'm sacrificing now for this. And Jesus says, blessed are those. Happy are those. And I think you know this. I think in the story of the Good Samaritan, we know who walked away happy. Was it the religious people that came up with their excuses to point fingers? Or was it the Good Samaritan that did what he was called to do? Blessed, it's better. And we don't just receive these instructions from Jesus who was standing on a mountain talking to a crowd. Jesus, yes, clarified with his words, but he led with his life. As we close this service today, as we prepare for communion, we need to know that Jesus didn't just say it. Look, Jesus felt. Jesus acted. Jesus sacrifice. Mercy feels, mercy acts, mercy sacrifices. Jesus embodied the merciful life. So as we prepare to take communion, even as you just want to hold the elements in your hands, we are reminded of a God that came to a cross to be merciful to you and to me. And as you just hold the elements in your hand, I say it all the time, but I actually want you to see it on the screen because this is who Jesus was. Jesus, let's go to this. Jesus was denied. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was accused, rejected, abused, and humiliated. Who is our God? Our God is a God who came 
to provide mercy for us, to provide the sacrifice once and for all, to not just wipe the stain, but to wash away our sins completely. He was denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused, and humiliated. And you know this, but on the cross, in the midst, in the midst of experiencing this, what did he say from the cross? Father, forgive them. He gave mercy when all he received was abuse. Jesus, who needed no mercy, he needed no mercy. He was sinless. He who needed no mercy gave mercy. And he didn't just give mercy. He loved mercy. And in so doing, look at this. Jesus rejected resentment on the cross, and so must we. Jesus rejected resentment on the cross. He could have resented. He could have looked at all the people running from him, uh, abandoning him in his uh, greatest hour, persecuting, hurting him physically. He could have resented. He could have just said, I'm done with humanity. He rejected resentment because that's what mercy does. And in so doing, he invites us to be agents of mercy. But we can't give what we haven't received. And so we go to the cross. We go to Jesus. We remember what he did on the cross for us. And we admit our need. Jesus, I need your mercy. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I am, I am broken on my best day. On my best day, I still contribute to the pain in this world. I will try to follow you, but no matter what, I need your mercy. Your mercy actually empowers me by the Holy Spirit to live a different life. I need you, I need you, I need you. In fact, some of you may be here today and you'd say, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm in church, but I'm far from God. Maybe you've been trying to earn right standing with God. I'll go back to church. I'll, I'll, I'll straighten up. And you've been trying to work your way up to God. And you need to understand you can never work your way up to God because God worked his way all the way down to you. He is the distributor of mercy. In fact, if you're here today and you say, Brian, I needed a day like today. I needed a message like this message to make a decision to receive, to admit my need for Jesus. I want today to be the day that I said, Jesus, I need your mercy. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up at me right now just so I know that you're here? Anybody here? Say, this is, this is my day, yeah? Yeah? See that hand? Yeah? I just, Jesus, I need your mercy. Friends, this is a prayer we never stop praying. We need to pray it the first time, but we keep saying, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. And then there's a prayer that we really need to follow up with. Jesus, help me, help me, help me to distribute the mercy that you've shown me. I'm kind of expecting every hand to go up, so I'm not even going to ask for hands. But you can just like smile at me or something or just like do a long blink, one of those. If you, if you need to ask God to help you be a distributor of mercy, I hope that's you. I hope you would say, yes, I need, I need that help. Still have boundaries, but we are distributors of mercy. We're going to take communion. Communion is to remember the body of Christ given for us. That's the bread that we eat. 
we drink the juice remembering the sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and we drink the juice remembering what Christ has done. We need Jesus. We need to admit our need for Jesus. And by taking communion, we say, yes, Jesus, I need you. So we're just gonna take a few moments for you to process this message, for you to do some reflection. Maybe you need to pray a prayer and you have somebody that you've been resenting. Say, Jesus, teach me what it is to show mercy and to reject resentment. And then in a few moments, the band's gonna invite you to sing as we sing to a God who is full of mercy. Go ahead, take some time, contemplate, and then we'll continue.